Hey everyone, welcome to the second episode of That Christian Witch. First, I'm going to start off with saying, oh my god, I am so, so, so sorry. Um, let's see, happy Thanksgiving, happy Yule, Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, all the other, like, god, I know there's other holidays that I have missed, those two, um, and I hope you had a great inbox. So, go grab a drink. Today, I am happily enjoying a whiskey on ice, Angel's Envy, if anyone is curious. It's delicious. And I'm finally going to give you that second episode. So, go get a drink, alright? I'll wait. Alright, so here in the Bible Belt, we've got a nice layer of snow on the ground. And I actually had something completely different planned for today. Well, for this episode, not necessarily today. But that's not exactly what happened. So what we're going to do is talk about the Bible. Alright, y'all ready? Great. So, the Bible. Basic instructions before leaving Earth. At least that's what I used to be told. That's how I remembered how to spell it when I was a kid. Nobody judged me. Um, so I remember growing up learning about how the Bible was made, all the stories that went into it, wrote what, a few times that I actually went to Sunday school, um, yeah, it was not something we did growing up, but a couple times I went, there was a really cool felt board and the stories that came with it, but what nobody seems to want to talk about is how it was changed. So... This is mostly going to be a boring post, but kind of need to be done so the next one wouldn't have to be so obscenely long. So bear with me, and I promise there's a point to this. Alright, so most Bibles today are based off the King James Version in one way or another because it was believed that the King James is the closest to the Hebrew text. Now, before I dive into what's considered controversial, let's just talk facts. The King James Bible was translated from Hebrew, Greek, Latin, and I want to say Arabic? I might be wrong on that one. Uh, But by a committee of 47 scholars. So that should mean we have a pure, untainted view about how it was originally written, right? Well, that may have been the intention except all but one of the members translating were also a member of the clergy of the Church of England. And, well, I think everyone knows that at some point in time, the Church of England had an agenda. That's pretty much an unarguable historical fact, right? So, moving on from agendas and motives here back to facts. Do you know who wasn't involved in the translation? I do... One of the most highly regarded English scholars on the Hebrew language of his time. And I'm going to butcher his name, so y'all are going to have to forgive me. Hugh Brighton? Brighton? B-R-I-U-G-H-T-O-N. He's actually kind of cool. If anyone feels like going and looking him up. But when the King James Version was published, he publicly condemned both the resulting text and the method of translation. So, because, you know, in 
despite, there we go, there's the word. My brain is not working today, guys, sorry. So despite having 47 scholars doing this translation and no timeline, they couldn't be bothered to translate it word for word. Instead, they translated it using the previous translation from a man named William Tynal, T-Y-N-D-A-L-E, as their guide. Um, Broddington was quoted calling the new translation an abomination, and many times saying that the translation shouldn't be foisted up, hoisted upon the English people, because no one can do dramatic quite like an Englishman. To this day, in fact, like Italian men might give them a run for their money. Not out there for offense of anyone, but y'all know it's true. So, outside of an old dead guy having his feelings hurt about not being included in the translation party, why the hell does it matter who translated what and how? It matters because it wasn't adapted from the original language. It matters because instead of taking the word of God and giving it to the people like we were told it was, people were given a book of adaptations of the previous translation. It matters because the translation focused on contextual changes instead of being the true faith-guided reproduction of God's words in the English language. In the English language? Guys, I swear, I am getting there, I promise. (laughs) Um, It's basically a game of telephone from the 1600s based off the whispers from the 1500s with a text that we're still using today and we base our faith on. And... (laughs) Guys, I don't know about you, but I hate playing telephone just around the table, much less over centuries. Alright, so I've rambled about old dead guys having their feelings hurt. We've learned that things got changed and misrepresented. Shit, that happens still to this day. Nothing new. I mean, look at To Kill a Mockingbird or Huckleberry Finn. Books get changed to fit the times, no matter how irritating that is. How about removing things? Is that allowed? I don't like some things in the Bible, so let's take it out. Shit, if that's allowed, there's whole books I'd like to put up for a vote. In the original printing of the King James Bible, the A-P-O-C-R-Y-P-H-A. Guys, I do not spell well. I do not translate well, so the that were included. However, during the English Civil War, they were removed due to them not being included in the Old or New Testament, and the Westminster Confessions, Confessions, declaring that the Bible, both the New and the Old Testament, contained the Holy Spirit speaking in Scripture, and anything else was considered human intervention and instructions. In the recent years, it has been included back in some of the printings. Personally, I haven't read them, so I have no thoughts for or against. But still, it got removed because it didn't fit someone's ideas of how the Bible should have been. Alright, back to the King James. It had so many errors that it had many nicknames, including He and She Bible. They had many moments where they would be talking about one gender gender and switch to another in the middle of the sentence. Another name that it was called was the Wicked Bible due to the words being forgotten. What word was forgotten the most? Not. Including in the commandments. Personal favorite being thou shalt commit adultery because, you know, 
I'm sure that was just missed in editing of the Bible. So that being said, by 1638, only 27 years after the King James was published, Cambridge had released two revisions trying to do quality control and correct over 1,500 errors and became known as the authorized version. Okay. As the years changed, the language changed. That is nothing new. I mean, let's even talk about 20 years ago. There are words now that people use that I still blink at. And I'm only 23. I know how old I am. So, um, so yeah, as the years changed, the language changed. So by the middle of the 18th century, there were countless different editions of the King James Version around Europe and into the Americas, all with a wide variation in their text. So, hundreds of thousands of people all reading different versions of the one thing that's supposed to be unified. Yeah, can't see that going good. Funny enough, neither could Cambridge or Oxford at the time, so they decided to fix it. So, in 1760, Cambridge came out with a new revision that changed everything. This revision was based on several revisions based on the writing of Francis Paris, written in 1743. Which is a side note, but it's a big deal. I swear, just hang in there for a minute. Like I said, this is going to be boring and kind of just a lot of facts, but it will make sense, I promise. Alright, so, we're going to go all the way back to 1611. The first King James Version, in the first King James Version, here I am forgetting words, um, Titus 2.13 was written, and the glorious appearing of God, comma, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Whereas in the revision, Paris wrote, removed the comma combining God and Jesus as one, which was in accordance with the Trinitarian concept of the Westminster Confessions, rather than the Trinity that the original King James, which continued to be encouraged, rather in accordance to the original King James. And this new, no comma was continued to be encouraged due to the Cambridge revision in 1769. So, what the words did I just say? Originally, there was a comma that said, a glorious appearing of God, comma, and our Savior Jesus Christ. Two separate beings. In the new version that Cambridge did based off of Paris's writing, no comma. Also, totally out of context, but I couldn't find a good place to put this. Guys. In the King James Version, Matthew 18 11 reads, For the Son of Man is coming to that which was lost. However, this version doesn't appear in most ancient copies of Matthew. In fact, it doesn't appear until after the 5th century, which wouldn't be a problem, except most scholars agree that Matthew's was written around the 1st century, with the oldest version being in the 4th, with the newest version. I wrote oldest in my notes, but guys, newest. I can talk. The newest version being in the fourth, none of which will include this verse. There's a similar verse in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost, and it is thought to have been added to Matthew's at a later date. Just some food for thought. What other verses got added at a later point? 
like the crucifixion story when Jesus is on the cross in the Gospel of Luke as he's dying he asks for forgiveness of his executioners because they didn't know what they were doing however in the oldest known copies of the Luke Gospel he doesn't recount the plea of forgiveness from the cross that wasn't added until the fifth century in a Greek document now I'm not saying that it didn't happen but it, you know kind of makes me wonder if it was left out of the text originally and written in a journal somewhere or if it was added to reflect the saver we all know he was okay moving back I'm almost done I swear so now we're at five revisions eight shit many revisions later I should have written that down um the King James we have right now that we fall back on is the Oxford edition of the King James Version, which is verbatim from the Cambridge edition, influenced by a man whose punctuation change altered the contextual meaning of the verses based on the many revisions of the year over the years to correct errors made under the influence of the Church of England based off of a translation made by a man in the 1500s translated from multiple languages that he was not native to. Again, back to telephone and I'm done rambling but I will leave you with one last fact all of these translations weren't done from the original text they were done from copies a lot of them handwritten copies guys I don't know about you but I pity the fool who has to try and read and translate my handwriting I struggle with that and I write it all right these are just little facts about the Bible that I'm hoping that will make the next posting a little easier to understand. And I didn't even get into the bias for or against anything. As I've said, I'm a little bit of a history nerd and I like to know the whys of things. So I hope you got something out of my rambling and gave you something to do a little research on. You know, research, it's wonderful, it's fabulous. Um, do some more research, don't take my quote on things. like. Get your own information, guys. For all you know, I'm biased on things. But this one was relatively short, more just like 15 minutes. I talked kind of fast. I really wanted to make up for not posting for a while. But I swear I love you. And I will post soon. I promise. All right. Love you all. Bye.